In your life, what is the next best growth step you could and should take? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. We want to talk about the biggest next step that a person can have, and that's the step into eternal life. See, you don't have a relationship with Jesus until you take that initial step into eternal life, until you trust Him as Savior and Lord, turn from sin, and turn to the Savior. Growth and change are part of the Christian life, and you're either moving forward with the Lord or you've become complacent and stagnant. So wherever you find yourself today spiritually, are you ready to take the next step? The Next Step is the title of the series that we're beginning this month on this edition of From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Now, the first lesson that we're going to be airing from this collection of messages is entitled, The Step into Eternal Life. While eternal life seems like the last step you'll take, it actually requires a step to be taken in this life first. Open up your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 10 as we visit the truth found in the story of the rich young ruler. Now, we're going to be airing these seven messages throughout most of the month, so be sure to be with us each and every day or listen online at fromhisheart.org if you miss any. Here's Pastor Jeff to begin the message today entitled, The Step into Eternal Life. You know, the Christian life is all about growth and change. It's about transforming from glory to glory, 1 Corinthians 3.18. As we uh, walk with the Lord, He changes us. As John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. And so the Christian life is never about staying in the same place. It's about moving on with the Lord. It's a step-by-step walk with the Lord. So what is the next step for you? You know, for some, the next step is, I need to join the church. For some, it's baptism. You've never followed the Lord in baptism, and that would be the next step. For some, it's having a quiet time, a daily quiet time, because you've never really done that. You've been hit and miss. But what is the next step for you? For some of you, uh, the next step may be to find some younger Christians and pour your life into them and disciple them. But we want to ask the question, what is the next step? Now today, to kick off the series, we want to talk about the biggest next step that a person can have, and that's the step into eternal life. See, you don't have a relationship with Jesus until you take that initial step into eternal life, until you trust Him as Savior and Lord, turn from sin, and turn to the Savior. Now, the person that we want to look at today is known in Scripture as the rich young ruler. We get that, uh, that designation of him when we put together uh, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels. John is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in seminary, they teach us about the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic means seeing the same. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very, very similar. They present things a little differently, but they cover a lot of the same stories in the life of Jesus. And all of them talk about the rich young ruler. And they tell us about this guy who was very wealthy. 
He was a young man, and he was a ruler, not a a political ruler, but a ruler in the synagogue. He was chairman of the deacons, if we wanted to put it in vernacular today. He was uh, top dog. He was very, very important. And he comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, he asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He asks a great question, but he's going to leave his encounter with Jesus giving the wrong answer to the right question that he asked, responding incorrectly to the Lord's invitation to trust him. Let's look. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. And as he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, he is traveling from Perea, which is on the east side of the Jordan River, and he's traveling. He's going to go down through Jericho, then he's going to come up to Jerusalem. This is the last part of his life before he goes to the cross. And he was setting out on a journey. A man ran up to him and knelt before him and began asking him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words, his face fell, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it is it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at, this, at these words. But Jesus answered again and said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking upon them, Jesus said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. The rich young ruler, a story, a tragic story of a man who asked the right question and responded incorrectly to the Lord's invitation to follow him. Now, this guy is successful. He is moral. He is uh, on track so to speak. Most people would look at him and say, yeah, that's, I want to follow that guy. He's really going places. But he's a guy who messed up big time. He missed out on the most important step, the step into eternal life. So we want to look at his life and answer this question. What is necessary to take the all-important step of salvation? Three essentials. Essential number one, you must understand who Jesus is. If you're going to take that step, and listen, when we talk about uh, the step into eternal life, many people say, well, you know, I don't understand why you're talking to us about that because we're church people and, and we know about that. One theologian said in the average Baptist church, approximately 50% of the members are unsaved. They've never been born again. They're church people. They're good people. They're, they're like this man. They're morally upstanding, perhaps, but they've never taken the step into eternal life. So we want to break that down. What is required? What are the essentials? Essential number one, you must understand who Jesus is. Now, when this man comes up to Jesus, 
He says in verse 17, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers him, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God. Now, some people have said, well, when Jesus said that, he was saying that he's not God because he was saying, hey, don't call me good because there's only one that's good and that's God, and so don't call me uh, good. And the word good, agathos in the Greek, means good by nature, good intrinsically. The rabbis wouldn't let you call them uh, a good teacher because they said, no, that's reserved for God. But this man says to Jesus, uh, good teacher. And Jesus, when he asked the question, he's not saying, I'm not God. He's saying to this man, do you understand that I am God? Because no one is good except God alone. Do you understand who I am? Do you understand that I am God? See, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. Now, we've heard that, no doubt, time and time and time and time again, but it is so critical to have nailed down in your heart who Jesus is. He's not merely a good teacher. He's not merely a miracle worker. He is God in human flesh. As we sing that song at Christmas time, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. Deity with flesh. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, for in him, speaking of Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It was in Jesus. John says when he begins his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. That's the terminology he uses to describe Jesus. He describes him as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. What is a word? A word is an expression of an invisible thought. Jesus is the expression, the physical expression of the invisible God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is the creator, God. And then it goes on to say, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God in the flesh. Why do you call me good? Do you recognize who I am? Do you recognize that I am God? You know, every false cult, and a false cult is different from a world religion, a false cult claims to be Christian. But one of the things that you'll find in common with all false cults, and interestingly, none of the cults ever uh, get together with one another. They all say, no, we are the truth. We have the market cornered on truth. And so the Jehovah's Witnesses don't get together with the Mormons. The Mormons don't get together with Christian scientists. All those are, they're separate. But they all have this in common. They claim to be followers of Jesus, but they all deny the deity of Jesus. And why is that so important? You say, that's a minor thing. I mean, the Mormons say that Jesus is Lord, but they don't know who Jesus is. Jesus is co-equal with God the Father. This is what Jesus said, John chapter 8, and I love this, the way it is put in the Good News Bible. Jesus answered, you belong to this world here below, but I come from above. You are from this world, but I am not from this world. 
That is why I told you that you will die in your sins, and you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am who I am. That's the name of God. Now, New American Standard, Jesus said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. But the Good News Bible draws that out and says, unless you believe I am who I am, you will die in your sins. That's the name of God. That's the special name of God. And so the Jews would get mad at Jesus. They would pick up stones to stone Jesus during his ministry. And Jesus said, I've shown you many good works from the Father. From which one are you going to stone me? And they said, for a good work, we don't stone you. But for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. He would forgive sin. And the people would gasp when he would say to someone, your sins are forgiven. And they'd say, blasphemy. Well, who can forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus said, that's right, because I am God. That's how I can forgive sin, because I am God. It is so critical to understand who Jesus is, and a false cultist who believes that Jesus is some glorified man and not the God of the universe, he misses it by a million miles, because unless you believe that I am who I am, you will die in your sins. See, Jesus is God's only Son and man's only Savior. He's the only one. There is no other Savior but Jesus. When Peter preached to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, he said to him, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. Essential number one, you must understand who he is. Essential number two, you must understand who you are. Who he is, he is the Lord of glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, really only two men who ever lived, Adam and Christ. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. But then you have to understand who you are. Now, when the man said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, this man attributed goodness to the Lord, but you know what he also did? He also attributed goodness to himself. Now, the Pharisees would say, the rabbis would say, don't call me good, just call God good. But they're a bunch of guys that just uh, were duplicitous and hypocritical. And so they might say the right words, but their hearts are rotten. That's why Jesus said, outwardly, they seem to do well, but inwardly, uh, they're, they're full of dead men's bones and all rottenness. And so this guy would uh, say, hey, probably if you pinned him down, hey, are you good? Oh, no, 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 I, I would never say that about myself. But he thought that about himself. He thought he was good. I mean, uh, here I am. I'm, I'm so wealthy, and that's a sign of God's blessing upon me, and I'm, I'm the leader in the synagogue. I'm a ruler in the synagogue, and, and I have so much, and, and uh, I, I'm so moral. He thought he was good, and so the Lord is going to show him himself. He's going to show this guy, this is what you really look like. Jesus said to him, verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He gives them the law. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God on two tablets of stone. The first tablet 
contains the first four commandments. Those are all vertical commandments, our relationship with God. The second tablet, commandments 5 through 10, those are horizontal. That's our our relationship, how we treat each other. And Jesus gives them the second tablet, and he says, here are the commandments. How well do you do with the commandments? And this man had the audacity to say, all these I have kept from my youth up. And on the surface, maybe he did keep those. I mean, as far as you shall not commit murder. Well, I've never murdered anybody. You shall not commit adultery. Well, I've never committed adultery. But you know, when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, remember, he, he took them deeper into what those commandments meant. It's not just the outward, did you do this outwardly, but what was going on in your heart? Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit murder. But if you're angry with your brother, then you're guilty. You're guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, he's speaking of anger in your heart that has murderous intentions, where you just get uh, so angry with somebody, you just, I just wish that person would die, uh, that kind of anger. And if you have that in your heart, he said, you have committed murder in your heart. He said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, is there a man among us who can say, I've never looked on a woman to lust for her? Obviously not. And so this guy's looking at the top part of the commandment. He's not going delving deeper into the commandments. And Jesus is trying to tell him, listen, you you have not kept the commandments. No one has kept the commandments. We're all guilty before God. And so what this man refused to see is what many refuse to see, and that is this. All of us are no good sinners before God. You say, well, I don't don't know if you need to add in the no good. I mean, okay, I can take it that I'm a sinner, but a no good sinner? What did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So if God alone is good, then what does that mean about us? There is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who is good. We're all no good sinners. And we don't really like to think in those terms. We think there are degrees of goodness, but there aren't degrees of goodness. There's a, you're either good because you're God or you're not good. Now, there are degrees of badness. And so when we talk about, oh, this is a good person, that man's a good person, that woman's a good person, what we really mean is they're not as bad as someone else. That, that's, but that doesn't sound very good. I'd like to give you a compliment. You know, you're not as bad as Hitler. Uh, that's not a real good compliment. It's true, but it's not a very good compliment. They're they're not degrees of goodness. They're only degrees of badness. Now, we talk in theological circles about this phrase, total depravity. Man is totally depraved. And somebody said, well, what does does that mean exactly? Total depravity does not mean that you are as bad as you can be because we can all do worse than we're doing now. It doesn't mean you're as bad as you can be. It means that you are as bad off as can be before God because you are a sinner separated from God. You've fallen from God. All have sinned and fallen 
short of the glory of God. You're in trouble. That's what that means. And this guy, he didn't see that. He still thought that he was good. What must I do to inherit eternal life? There's got to be something, Lord. Do I need to pray more? Do I need to uh, do this religious act or that religious act? What, What do I need to add into my routine to receive eternal life, to receive salvation? Because I know I'm a good person because I keep the Ten Commandments. All these things I have kept from my youth up. He didn't see himself as a no good sinner. That is really critical. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The gospel is only for sinners. It it doesn't speak to the righteous. And you say, well, uh, I guess if it doesn't speak to the righteous, the righteous don't need to come. There is none righteous, not even one. It speaks to everybody because there is none righteous. But here's the problem. You have to see and understand and recognize and come to grips to the fact that you are a no good sinner without Christ. This man hadn't seen himself clearly because he didn't see that he was a no good sinner. And so Jesus is giving him the law to try and see that you are a sinner. And so because we're no good sinners, all of us are in desperate need of grace. Desperate need of grace. Why? Because we're separated from God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins, Ezekiel 18, 4, the soul that sins shall die. And so we're in trouble, big-time trouble. Do you, right this moment, see yourself as a sinner in deep trouble? Well, we're all sinners, but today you can come to know the safety and security that the Savior, Jesus Christ, offers. It could be that today, as you reflect upon your own life and your heart and your love or not love for God, that you find yourself far from Him. Do you feel the Holy Spirit prompting your spirit to come to Him now? And do you want to sincerely cry out to Him from your heart? You see, God created each of us to know Him, not just know about Him, To find out more about how to come to Him and to live for Him each and every day, please go to FromHisHeart.org and click the Why Jesus link. There you'll get some free materials to watch, read, and download that'll help you get started in your Christian journey. God bless you for that. Growth and change are part of the Christian life. Are you moving forward with the Lord or have you become complacent and stagnant? In the Christian life, you either grow and glow or you dry and die. What is the next step for you? Maybe it's baptism, spending more time in the Word, strengthening your prayer life, or seeking a spiritual mentor to guide you in your growth, or many other things. Would you like to discover the next step for you? This month, for your gift of support from his heart of any amount, we'd like to send you a resource from Pastor Jeff. It's a series called The Next Step seven messages that will inspire you to take the next step. If you'd like to get a copy on USB flash drive, digital download, CDs, or DVDs, just call us at 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org to make that secure gift. And when you do, request the series, The Next Step. And thank you for helping From His Heart take the next step in reaching more people with the good news of Jesus. Thank you, too, for being with us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting that you'll be right back here tomorrow 
for part two of this essential lesson on walking with God called The Step into Eternal Life, one of seven in the Next Step series. Join us on Monday for this teaching and also watch our television broadcast this weekend in 182 countries on your local Christian channel or network. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area. God bless you and join us next time when we'll open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.